there's nothing wrong with anger. And actually, I think it's one of the most powerful emotions as an activator, right? Like anger channels, anger requires an action. Like you're angry. And if you really learn how to work with it, right? Embody it, listen from your, listen to your anger, learn from your angle, anger, it can propel so much change. Welcome to Becoming Infinite. I'm your host, Cooper Gillespie. If you are enjoying this show, would you take a moment and write us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on? That would help more people find our show, and I would be so grateful to you. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Suarez, an empowerment and self-sovereignty coach passionate about helping women remember who the heck they are. We discuss everything from honoring the sacredness of rage to how social and systemic issues impact manifestation to polyamory to our grandmother. So (laughs) we really cover it all. It's a great conversation. I can't wait for you to meet her. In this episode, Jessica shares her tips on how to lead an intentional life and how to honor the quote-unquote negative emotions such as rage. All right, here she is without further ado, Jessica Suarez. All right, how are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing pretty well. A little bit tired. It's been a long week. I'm so happy it's Friday, honestly. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, it was an intense week astrologically, actually. So I think that that part of that like played a part. Yes, it's interesting. I've I've gotten to know more and more about astrology. And the more I know about it, the more I'm like, everything is making sense now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. that is why. I know. And the more that I learn, the more I'm like, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so anyway, I you have such an interesting story. I would love it if you would tell our listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so... I am what they call a third culture kid, right? Like someone who is in between or an amalgamation of several different cultures. And I was born in Lisbon, Portugal. I grew up in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. My mom is Cape Verdean, which is where I am right now. And my dad is Mozambican. And so I grew up like very much being from nowhere and everywhere. And my friends all were the same, right? So I very much found my identity and belonging in that community of being a third culture kid. And then I moved to New York when I was 18 to go to college. And all of a sudden I I was very much an outsider, you know, like people would ask me, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this and give them my whole story. They're like, yeah, but where are you actually from? I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question for you because this is the truth. My parents never like immigrated, right? Like they were never permanently there. I like grew up traveling and um, it was the first time I became so aware of like, oh, wait, like I am something other than what most people's typical experience has been. And sort of that question that seeking for identity and belonging has been something that has always been at the back of my mind, right? Like I'm back home in Cabo Verde right now and I, and I don't feel like I'm at home. And then it's like, where do I feel at home? And right now I would say the place that I feel most at home is New York City, lived there for eight years and it was a city that like raised me, like I said, like made me the woman I am today. 
I moved there to go to NYU, where I did my undergraduate in the intersection of performance and psychoanalytic theory. And then I went on to study at an acting conservatory. I've wanted to be an actor my whole life. Like storytelling, writing is such a driving passion of mine. And then I've always been interested in how people think, you know, the psychology of why people do the things they do. How do our childhood experiences shape us as adults, which is where that psychoanalysis part came in. And it really integrated well with my study of performance and acting as a craft. And it was always something that I did and like was really into. And my friends would all like come to me. Like I am the advice giver, right? I'm the like pillar of the friends. It's just, I woke up today to three messages from three different friends. It's like, Jess, like, what is this happening? (laughs) And that's always been the role I played in my life. And then I had started like a coaching certification a while ago. Because it's always been something I'm interested in. I'm very interested in spirituality and personal development. And then lo and behold, right before I was supposed to go on a, you know, at least a year long backpacking trip, the world shut down. And I was like, okay, you know, I have all this time on my hands. So why don't I finish my certification program? Like at that point, I had the third person ask me like, oh, are you a life coach? And I was like, okay, universe three, I get it. Let me finish this certification. And I launched my business last year. And now here I am, actor, filmmaker, and coach. (laughs) I love it, you know. Yeah, we have that in common. I was a theater major. And and I'm also very much like you, where I'm a storyteller. I uh, I am a musician. I feel like like I just always want to do all the things. And for the longest time, I thought that was bad. And then I actually just started learning about human design. And Are I'm you like, a manifesting well, I'm generator? Like, I'm not. I'm a generator, but okay. I talked to a woman who's like super master uh, human design. And she's like, well, it does. it's not that weird that you like to do all the things, but the difference with you is you'll go really deep. Like she's like, my husband's mm-hmm. like you wear that, like he'll take like one week and it'll be all this and he'll go really deep into it. And then the next week he'll go really deep into something else as, mm. as opposed to sometimes manifesting generators are doing all the things all the time, you know? Yeah. That's me. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but we're, we're similar in that way, but yeah. you're, just, you're just a little more maybe of that than I am. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe a little yeah. more, but I love yeah. that. I love that. that. I, I think that anyone that studies studied theater there is like an innate connection to like wanting to understand humanity and life and just like it makes so much sense to me that people who are artists like especially actors and writers also have all these other interests because you you need to and want to understand like all the facets of life and all the versions of stories that people live Absolutely. That's so true. And in and the work working with people coaching wise fits right into that because absolutely all the time when you're writing or acting, you are trying to understand human behavior and you mm-hmm. have to come at your characters with a place of empathy. Like even if you're playing the bad guy, you got to come absolutely. at them like with heart and like, yeah, they think they're doing the yeah. right thing. <laughs> and so it's yeah. just um it's it fits perfectly in my mind together. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. All right. And New York City. Wow. What a, what a crazy place to live, like live long term that I remember graduating from college and being like, okay, either I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go to LA. But New York seemed mm-hmm. like so I couldn't even wrap my head around how I would be able to pay my bills even to like act and stuff there. You know, it seemed 
really overwhelming. Yeah. In LA, I was like, I think I can, LA seems a little easier. But now that I'm like, maybe not. I don't know. Because in New York, you can just get around a lot easier than LA. So I don't know which one's easier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think they all, I think they're different. They're so different. You know, the energies of the city. And I actually have so many friends right now who happen to move to LA, like during this COVID time. Like I have very few friends left in New York. Like my whole community sort of transplanted. But I'm, I'm, New York is my heart. I want to go back. It's a really special place. It is. Yeah. There's just a few cities on earth that are like that, that have that vibe where you're like, it's like no place else. And New York is certainly one of those. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so cool that you were born in Lisbon. That's actually like my husband and I, that's our dream. We're trying to find our, like our plan so we can move over there. And that's our dream is like, that's where we're going to go soon. I don't know when, but it's on the, it's happening. We're manifesting it. (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. It's Lisbon is amazing. It's such a special city. I really, really love it. So one of the things uh, that really drew me to you that I was so interesting is you posted something about sacred rage and I was like, what? We have got to talk about that. So (laughs) please do. Tell us what's (laughs) up with that. Yes. Yeah. So it's really been It's something I've spent a lot of my life, you know, unconsciously thinking about because I am what I like to call a too much woman, right? Like I just ran a masterclass this week about like how to overcome the fear of being too much and embrace being the most. And I just feel like people who are too much people, too much labeled by the world, right? Tend to have like big emotions, very sensitive, like strong opinions. And that has been me my whole life. And because also of my deep, deep love for life and like humans, like humanity, human life. There are also times where I can, I can, I experience all emotions very intensely. Hello, actor. But rage also does come up, right? Especially in the last year when we've just seen so much shit just come to the last like 10 years, right? Like with the advent of social media, we just have so much more information, knowledge and truth, like in real time, right? With these phones that we can record. And There is also on the other side, there's this narrative in like the spiritual wellness community that like anger is low vibe and like stay away from like low vibe emotions and all this thing. And I'm like, hold on. First of all, emotions are all chemical reactions and no one wants to live in anger. No, but to make people feel ashamed for their anger or like their anger is unjustified, I think is such a disservice and so goes against all of the like core beliefs of spirituality, right? Like I think that when people are enraged, whether it is about the larger issues or the things in their life where they see their boundaries are being crossed, where they see that they're settling, where they see that they deserve more and it brings them to a place of that like fiery Mars energy of the week, that like fiery, angry place, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with anger and actually I think it's one of the most powerful emotions as an activator, right? Like anger channels, anger requires an action. Like you're angry. And if you really learn how to work with it, right? Embody it, listen from your, listen to your anger, learn from your angle, anger, it can propel so much change, right? What I don't think people should do with their anger is bottle it up, keep it inside, let it burn them up from the inside out. I don't think they should bypass the anger, pretend it doesn't exist. And I don't think they should like yield it as a weapon on other people and like throw it around. How do we do that? We do that by 
honoring it, revering it for another sacred teacher, just like the other emotions and learning how to work with it rather than fearing it. And it's, it's been really something I've been exploring this year. And I host like a weekly rage release circle and just like seeing how much lighter people feel after it. Just like how much permission there exists, especially as women, right? Like a lot of women have been told that their anger is not okay, that their anger is unladylike. It's not permissible. So they just like bottle it up. I'm like, no, your anger is sacred and it's yours. And you're the only one that can tell yourself what to do with it, you know, and it can be really effective for enacting change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is so true. We're taught that we have to behave a certain way and that we're supposed yeah. to be nice. And yeah. oh, there's a, we have a lot to be angry about sometimes. <laughs> but it's right. Exactly. <laughs> But it's it's not just, yeah, it's not just anger. I feel like it's a lot of emotions, especially that the wellness community poo-poos and you're supposed to stay high vibe. Absolutely. I think that you can't, I think you can't stay high vibe if you're not recognizing and acknowledging all of your feelings and then working from, from them for, for working on them from that place. When you're just trying to be happy up all the time, it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not real. Like we're, we're humans. Like we have emotional wavelengths. And if you don't really experiencing, experience them all, you're not being full. You're not being authentic. You're bypassing, right? Like, like you said, you can't reach that high vibration. As they say, you can't reach those frequencies of integration, highest self, if you don't actually know what, any, what anything else is by experience, and by permission. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's awesome. So when somebody works with you, like what, what kind of, what kind of programs do you have? So I, oh my goodness, this is so fun. I yesterday just launched my group program, my first group program. Awesome. Um, And it's going to be a three month program. It's called Unchained and Untamed. And it's really about like, like just opening up and getting in there, like really getting in touch with those emotions that maybe we're not allowed to experience and diving deep into the shadow, creating accountability. Like it's a whole nine step framework that I'm really, really excited about. And that's sort of what I'm focusing on right now. And then I have one-on-one three month and six month packages as well. And then I do a lot of like free events. Accessibility is really important to me. And it's something that I find lacking in a lot of the wellness spaces. So I have like my weekly free drop-in rage release circle. Anyone can just drop in. And it's really like an embodiment practice I do a lot of free events. I also read tarot. I don't really offer that publicly anymore. But if people come to me for tarot, because they know of it, I still do tarot readings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the different forms. And when you do tarot, is there a particular deck or a particular system that you, you really like? I have like five decks that I really bonded with. <laughs> I bonded with. For readings for other people right now, I'm generally using the Mystic Mondays deck. Yeah, that's what I, and then I have like get decks that I use for my own readings, but I don't love to read for myself, actually. Like I prefer to get readings from other people. Yeah, yeah, it's probably better. I feel like when you're reading for yourself, sometimes you can kind of make the wiggle things and make it how you want it. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Or like, I keep pulling the same thing and I'm like, no, I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear that. Like something else. Exactly. And then the deck just keeps giving you like worse and worse cards. Like, stop. Yes. Stop. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. In your coaching training, was that where, because I saw on your site that you do work with NLP and stuff. Was that part of that? So no, that was just like, at heart, I am a learner right? Like a learner and a teacher. Um, So that was like a separate course that I did NLP and EQ, emotional intelligence as well. But yeah, I just wanted to add more things to my, to my toolbox to be able to use, you know? Yeah. I think that's the thing with all of us sort of, you know, uh, light workers is we're, we're always just searching for new tools because um, you can, there's just so many fun ones out there to learn about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And certainly. Exactly. And they're so effective. They definitely are. And definitely like NLP is one of those tools that's so effective. And you see people like, like I know Tony Robbins doesn't call it NLP, but he's like the master of NLP. If you watch him work and you're like, dang, that dude's really good at that. (laughs) It's exactly what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. So many, so many tools out there, you know. Absolutely. And I guess that's why people, people come to you because you know the tools to, to work with. Yeah. So, and then I also wanted to talk with you about living an intentional life by design, which I think is a really cool concept. I was wondering if you would sort of speak to that. Yeah, I think that is primarily what people come to me for, right? Like I, I don't think we realize it, majority of the people, how much of our life is lived by default, like on autopilot, right? Like we're born, we're born these like beautiful blank slates, these beautiful, just like humans. And we're assigned a culture, we're assigned a gender, we're assigned a familial role, we're assigned like, you know, a school, a way of thinking, a language. People don't realize how much language shapes the way we think and see the world. We're assigned all these different roles, you know, all these different descriptors. Oh, she's such a shy child. She's so loud. She's so robust. All of these things that become our modus operandi. They just become the way we move through the world. And it's so rare for people to stop at that age where we really begin to, you know, early 20s, mid 20s to like become, to become who we are, to stop to think, to look back and question, am I living this life intentionally or am I going through the motions that was set for me, right? Like even small things such as like going to university and then getting a corporate job perhaps and like climbing up the ladder, getting married, having kids. So many of these things that were taken as default, the blueprint for a successful living, buying a house, going on a couple of vacations a year, being able to buy a car, all of these things that are wonderful if that's what people want. I'm not even like judging wanting those things, but it's a question of like, when when did I start to want that? Who told me I wanted that? And dissecting literally every single part of our life, right? Like we see it on a larger societal scale now, how we deal with, how we perceive people of larger bodies, right? Right, like body neutrality, the body positivity movement. When, who taught us that it was bad to be fat? Who taught us that fat was a bad word rather than a descriptor, rather than just another adjective, right? Where did we learn all of these things and do we actually hold them as truth for ourselves? And beginning to do that deconstruction deconstruction takes a lot of intention. You have to really, really be like, okay, 
what are every single little belief that I hold true to be about the world? What are the things that I'm like capital T truths? Because when we dissect them, we find that there are very few that are actually capital T truths. Almost everything is subjective. Everything's an opinion, a rule, an agreement that society has all entered into. So many people unconsciously, so many people without that intention. And I think to really free ourselves, right? Like my driving force is, uh, it's liberation. Like I want everyone to have all the permission in the world to live a life as they so please, as long as this life is not harming other people, which also comes the other side of the spectrum. How much of the way we are living our lives is actually harming other people. And I think that has come more into the forefront in the last couple of years, which is wonderful. But it's really like, I practice polyamory, right? And it was one of those things that just like, I was in a very serious monogamous relationship and then I was introduced to this world and I was just like, this is amazing. Like this work, I actually have a Gemini Venus, which is really funny. Like happens with Gemini Venus is all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's my only air side. But now it's like a very intentional thing. I'm like, I prefer this relationship model. Like it's rooted on the things that I value, which are communication and trust and like indulgence in life, you know, and freedom. Again, every, so much to me comes down to freedom. But I would never have known of that lifestyle really ever had I not like had the feet, the pieces fallen into place. I moved to New York. It's a more open-minded place. And then I heard about it and I did the research. I did my own research. I went to the events. I listened to podcasts. I tried it out for myself. Like, does this fit for me? And then, you know, it did. My best friend is such a romantic, monogamous person. That does not mean we can't be friends, right? Like we give each other that space to be exactly who we are. It is about getting really clear on like, do you actually love the job you're doing? Like, do you like the people you're surrounding yourself with and being really, really specific about it? I think that's really the key to aligning, like finding alignment and, you know, discovering that about yourself and then taking action from that place. And then all the manifestations as people love just starts through because the universe is like, oh yes, you are in coherence, right? Like as Joe Dispenza says, like you are aligned. Let's make it all happen. I love, I love Joe. <laughs> I love that man. Uh, I'm, I really want to go on one of his retreats. Yeah, me too. Maybe after one day. Yeah, one day it'll happen. But I love that because I do feel I, I love that. And I think it's something that people don't even think to do unless they hear someone like you mention it. Exactly. People don't even realize that they should actually like dissect their life and see if they're it's really working for them. I know so many people who have jobs that they hate, but they think they have to have them because, you know, they want to, I don't know why they think, I guess because you, you, it's a societal expectation to have a certain kind of job. And then maybe you get the house and you get the car and you get the, but Mm -hmm. they put themselves in a box that they don't have to be in that box. They could go do the thing they want to do, exactly. but they just don't, they don't even see that as an option because they're in a box that they made. Yeah. So I think that's really important to have people do that. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it's hard, you know, like it's hard to do that work on your own, right? Like I think everyone can, the resources are there nowadays. Like even when people come to me, I'm like, you, you don't need to be like, I'm not a magical guru. Like all of the answers are inside you. First of all, like you need to reconnect with your own heart, but it's possible you just have to want differently, right? Like desire is also such a powerful force for change. Mm-hmm. 
And also acknowledging that for some people, they don't have that choice, right? Like they don't have the choice like me and you do to be able to like do what we please with our life. And that for me is also really important to like, how do we work to create a world where everyone, it really is a choice, you know? Because right now it's not. There are structural and systemic hurdles for a lot of people. And the more people like me and you and like, you know, start to choose differently and start to really examine how their beliefs are impacting others, I think will create a ripple effect of creating more permission, more choice, so that eventually, maybe not in our life, everyone really can live a life fully by design. Like that is my greatest hope. Uh, That would be awesome. And and you touched on something that I think is also really important that I feel like does not get addressed by the wellness space. And that is that there are the systemic class is certainly in the United States, racial things that have made it so that, yeah, like you can, you, you can say all the affirmations and do all the dance parties and everything. <laughs> you have all those kind of forces working against you. Sorry. It's, it's not, you are at, you are not in the same position as somebody who has had all of the, yeah. an easier way as far as manifesting, you know, your dream life. You're just not. Absolutely. And, and I, Absolutely. It's unfair to, I think, to humanity to imply that, yeah, you're going to dance party your way out of certain, some things are, have bigger, are, have, need bigger solutions, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, I, I agree wholehearted, wholeheartedly with you. And one of my favorite models, I actually did a whole mini training on this on my Instagram, is to think about is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, it's not a perfect model, but I think it's a wonderful one. And at the bottom of, of the pyramid are like our physio- our safety and security needs, right? Like home, shelter, food, physiological and safety and security needs. And then at the top is self-actualization, right? We work in the self-actualization space. That is really what I do, what, what, where I work. That's what I have been able to do in this lifetime for privileges that I have been afforded. I completely understand that. Also recognizing that I have suffered simply because for being a woman and being a black woman, there have been things that have prevented me from fully self-actualizing, but I have, I I can be there. I can live there. Those are the needs I'm concerned with right now. But like you said, there are still people because of the systems in place that are concerned about home, food, you know, water, water in some of the most developed countries in the world, water is still an issue, right? Right. So obviously they're not concerned about self-actualizing and manifesting their dream life because they're just like, hello, where's my next meal going to come from? And I think it's like so offensive to them to be like, like you said, like you can affirm your way out of that situation. It's like, excuse me? (laughs) No. Yeah. But I know that some, some, you know, I have, I have friends on both sides of it and some will say, well, you know, that anybody can do that. And it's like, I think anybody can change their life. Absolutely. But yeah, when you're worried about basic needs or basic survival, it's harder to to manifest, you know, the dream, I guess. Yeah. I do think that, I don't think they're either or, right? Like I actually don't see them as like contradictory ideas. I think it's both and because like from a purely, if I zoom out from a purely like energetics perspective, yes. Right. Like There is a system. You make a choice. You take aligned action. You say no to anything that's outside of that action. And you have patience. You release. Absolutely. Yes. You can. Anything can happen. I really believe that. I don't believe anything is impossible. 
And at the same time, recognizing that for some people, it's not a priority. And even the ability to be able to think the way we're thinking is privilege. The fact that I've had the time and the space to be able to have these thoughts is a privilege, right? So I don't, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I just think, unfortunately, like we said, we're not at that place in the planet yet where everybody can think and work in the same way. And I really hope to goddess that we get there at some point. Absolutely. And you can, I mean, I don't know about your family, but I can even see it generationally in my family. Like I think about my grandmother, her uncle made a promise to all the kids like, hey, if any of you get straight A's in high school, I'll send you to college. Well, she was the only one who did. And she went to him and he laughed in her face and was like, you're a girl. You don't get to go to college. And my grandmother was filled with such rage her whole life. And I'm sure that wasn't the only reason. I'm sure there were many reasons, but I'm sure it drove her crazy because she was a very smart woman to have her life dictated by men. And so I I just see it even generationally in my family, how I feel like every generation, you know, gets gets a little better or has more opportunities, but it's only because of all, you know, I feel like I kind of stand on her back in a way, you know, like it's only because of Mm -hmm. everyone who's come before us and all the work that they have done to allow us to be here. Okay. Chills, chills, because that's such a powerful story. And I have said those exact words to my parents, right? Like when I get into all of these more esoteric, energetic, like very forward thinking discussions, right? Like whether it's about polyamory or legalization of like psychedelics, all of these things. And then my parents are like, they're very open, but even if they're pushing back, I'm always like, the only reason I'm able to think this way is because of what you guys did in order to get me to a level that I have the opportunity to think this way. So yes, I am standing on their backs. And I am so about remembering and honoring that. My grandmother was pulled out of school when she was in the fourth grade by her father, Cause he was like, I need you at home, like taking care of the other kids. And she never learned how to read. She like self-taught herself to read when she was 60. My mom like took herself out of extreme poverty to go on to become a diplomat and like work abroad. And my dad had a similar trajectory. And because of them, me and my brother grew up going to private school. I went to a very expensive, very powerful university. I was able to have all of these things because of what every single person before me has done. And that's how I think about what we're building the world next, right? Like I have a little sister and I'm like, imagine how much further she can take her life because of where she's starting now. And that's what I, that's where I'm, I'm like the future, right? Like the future generations, we're building a world for them. We can't look back anymore because back sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so sucked. If you think about it, on so many levels, I was just having this conversation. I'm like, you know, antibiotics weren't widespread until the 1940s. Like, I wouldn't want to live before that. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that with my stepkids. And I do have a lot of hope. I know people like to say, oh, the, the kids, you know, they don't know anything. But man, I feel like the kids that I know, like, you know, they're just like, they are awesome. And we, we're, I feel like our world's going to be in good shape. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Amazing. Oh, that's so funny. I also use the word interwebs. I feel like we're the same person. So they can find me on my website, which is www.jessicaswadishcoaching.com. But I am more active on Instagram than anything else. So at the Jessica Swadish, DM me, 
follow me. I post very fun stuff in my opinion. (laughs) And um, I also have an awesome weekly newsletter that goes out. That's sort of like a mini coaching session, like a teaching, a personal story and the roundup of resources that I've been enjoying every week. Awesome. Sounds so good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a good conversation. Like it's like, I was like kind of at a level three and now I'm like, all right, like I'm level seven. Like I feel great. I know. I feel it too. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wasn't that a great conversation? Uh, I'm, I just had so much fun with Jessica. Here we go. Here are my key takeaways from this episode. One, rage can be a sacred teacher. It can be a powerful force for change. It channels. It requires action. Two, learn how to work with rage or negative emotions instead of being afraid of them. Three, to live intentionally, we have to examine what is truth and what is subjective in our lives. We also need to look at how much of the way we are living our lives is hurting other people. And four, Desire is a powerful force for change, right? So powerful. You can find links to the show notes and everything that was mentioned in this episode at my website, becominginfinite.com. Yeah, yeah, I got the domain name. (laughs) I'm so happy about that. All right, I'm gonna leave you with a song of mine. It's called Set on Fire. I don't know, something about uh, our conversation about sacred rage just brought this song to mind. Until next time.